Good morning. It's a great day. Yeah. If you're not sure, turn to someone beside them and remind them it's a great day. Yeah. Remind yourself, maybe. I don't know. How many of you like sports? Okay. Yeah. If you don't, we'll pray for you at the end. Sports. Uh, we have next week, if you're an American football fan, we have the Rams, and we have an ungodly team that they're playing against. They call themselves the Patriots, but we know. Is there some Patriot fans anywhere out there? Yeah, see, they can't even say nothing. They just kind of put their hand up. I'd be ashamed too. It's all right. But we, we accept you. I'm, te- I'm teasing. My team lost so long ago, it's terrible. But Fiji uh, won at the New Zealand Sevens. Beat the USA. See, see, know a little bit more. People are like football. We don't care. Be sevens, yes, we're all all in there. I personally, I like both of those sports. But one I really tune into and grew up around, being uh, growing up in Canada, is hockey. Uh, hockey is kind of uh, like Canada's game, they say. But I think that's becoming less and less because I see like ten thousand kids playing soccer in the rain when it's snowing instead of playing hockey. So I think it's going to be because one day you never know. Canada might win a soccer game internationally. I mean, if that happens, like lift up your eyes. Jesus is coming back. Canada won in soccer. <laughs> Today's the day it could happen. It's true. And the way it's going to happen is because we have a bunch of Fijians who immigrated to Canada and Indians who immigrated and played for us because that's how we're going to win. That's where the real players are all around the world. We're learning Canada. We're a little behind, but we're going to get it. And then there's cricket players and all kinds of stuff. Anybody a cricket fan? Yeah. Okay. Pastor Mike, if you want to play cricket, one person. Okay. Cricket's a game, you, you, it's, it's not an easy game to understand. Cricket is not. Uh, you have to pay attention in that game, which I, I have never figured it out. I've watched it, and they run around in circles, and I don't know. It's, it's fun. But the one game that I do like is hockey, and uh, I grew up uh, watching uh, the Vancouver Canucks, which has grown character in me, uh, getting really used to getting really close and then experiencing failure again and again and again. And, uh, but my, uh, probably my favorite to- uh, player growing up uh, in my era, uh, not Elias Pettersson, who is today, but in, back in the day, uh, first-round draft pick in, in the year I graduated, uh, picked number two overall by the name of Trevor Linden. Uh, now, let me say this, though. I was a little jealous of him because it was my wife's crush. Like, I was trying to, like, get to know Shanda, and she always talking about this guy, Trevor Linden. Trevor Linden. So I'm not real close to him. But one day I was uh, returning from Victoria and driving down the highway towards the ferry. I was a passenger in a car, and I looked over. We were passing a vehicle. I looked over, and Trevor Linden was driving in a vehicle beside me heading towards the ferry. And I was like, this is my chance. No, not, not that kind of chance. Like, I'm not going to push him off. I'm secure. I've been married for many years by then. I was no longer. No, I was. I meant it's my chance. I can get his autograph. I'm pushing him off anywhere. And so when we got on, got, I got onto the ferry. I, I went on, and, and uh, I thought, well, 
maybe he would stay in his vehicle, but maybe he'll come up. I don't know. So I walked around the ferry uh, for a little bit, and finally I, I saw him at, at the end, and he was sitting chatting with a, a few guys. And, and uh, I don't know if you've ever had the, those moments, but I'm not the guy, a.k.a. like Pastor Mike, who just is like, I can't wait, make, wait to meet somebody and make them my friend. I'm not that guy. How many of you are more like me? I'm happy to sit over here and observe the world going by. Right? You go to the mall and you're like, let's just watch people. And there's some of you actually go there to meet people. Like, I, I don't know what that is. Go on holidays. I can't wait to meet new people. I can. <laughs> That's not why I went. I went to get away from people. <gasps> you're all like thinking, now wait, he was just was on a holiday. Was he getting away from us? No. But anyway, so I'm sitting there watching and uh, I saw him over there, and I was thinking, he's in deep in conversation. Uh, I shouldn't bother him. So I just read my newspaper uh, until the ferry was near the dock. I didn't really want to do it. I didn't know how he would react or anything like that. But I thought, oh, I'm going to go and ask him. And so what I do is I go up to him, and I say, hello, uh, Trevor. Uh, My name's Craig. I have three. This is the way to do it when you want an autograph. I have three young daughters, 12, 10, and 8. They would love your autograph. He's, he's not going to say no to that. He said, oh, no problem at all. He signs a little paper, which I've lost now. I don't know where it is. <laughs> so writes his name, or at least I thought it was his name. Uh, and he writes that and uh, says, thanks, have a great day. And I was like, oh, this is really awesome. Uh, he was happy to do it, and we went our separate, separate ways. Now, would I have gotten that autograph if I had only observed him from a distance? No. Would, have, would I have gotten that autograph if I had not asked him? Walked really close beside him. <laughs> wouldn't happen. He might have got me arrested, but wouldn't happen. Would I have? Sh- what if? Would I have shaken his hand if I had not moved from where I was? No. Wouldn't happen. As he was in my mind, and he was a kind of a, he's a kind of a famous guy. He's kind of, people call him Captain Canuck. He was one of the the main players of of Canuck history, which is not a great history, but hey, somebody's got to be the captain of it. But so there's something in me that in my personality would prefer to not engage somebody of that level. And over the last month, we've been talking about prayer, and you're going, where are you going to dial this? But I think that the way that I initially thought about approaching Trevor Linden was the way that we often approach prayer. Reluctantly, expecting that someone won't receive us, not believing that something is actually going to happen in this exchange. But every so often we screw up the courage and say a prayer. And, and I think that's kind of the way that our prayer life reflects the reality of our prayer life. It's something that we know we could do, we should do, maybe we will do once in a while, but it just doesn't happen in the way it should. And I think sometimes it comes out in thoughts and words like this. Our, our prayer life, the reality of how we feel about our prayer life, where we say and believe things, maybe even and just think things like this, that my children are far too gone for God. Maybe we say things like, I've lost everything. This will never turn around. Or our thoughts on prayer is maybe th- something like this, I'm so ashamed that the sin, the mistake, the failure, that God may not receive me. Or if he does, it's begrudgingly, kind of because he has to. I've struggled so long with this issue. If it was going to change, it would have changed by now. The church will never plant churches that transform people. Unrestricted abortion is the new reality in Canada and always will be. 
Those are the kind of thoughts of people who pray occasionally, sheepishly, haphazardly. But what if 2019 will be different? And, I, and there's a reason why I'm talking this today, and I'll, you'll get, I'll get to that. But why would it, what would it look to see new doors open, things that have held us captive, broken once and for all, things that have caused shame in our life and stopped us from moving forward in our life to be set free from our life. Wouldn't that be amazing? There's a great story in, in the book of Matthew. If you have your Bible, you can actually read it now because we have lights. <laughs> the people who have been poking me for two years, the lights are here. It's good. Matthew 20. We're going to look at Matthew 20. The great thing is I can see your faces now. Matthew 20, verse 29. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting. Everybody say sitting. Say it carefully. Sitting by the roadside. And when they had heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them, and he touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. Everybody say, followed him. They're walking, this is a walking out of the city gates, and this time, this is about 2,000 years ago, Jesus walking out of Jericho on his way to another city, Jerusalem. And outside the city gates was where you would want to stand. If you were poor, if you needed uh, food, if you needed money, if you needed anything, uh, if you've traveled in certain places, people, people stand in places that need something. They stand in places where there's likely to be people and lots of people coming by. If, you're, if you've ever traveled, maybe even in, in downtown Vancouver, maybe even in our city, people will often sit outside of a grocery store or at some place where there's a chance of intersection with somebody that might be able to meet your need, even if it's for temporary, maybe it's for a few, few dollars, maybe for some food, whatever it might be. So these beggars were not here. These blind guys were not here by chance. They were here because this was the place you needed to be to get your need met. So they were sitting there day after day. This was kind of probably the primo spot of the city. You didn't want to sit behind uh, some alley somewhere because nobody would go there. But here they were going by, and they heard that Jesus was going by. Their situation was difficult, if not impossible. They were in a place that they could not get out of by themselves. They were in a situation that they could not fix by themselves. They lived in a culture where often if you had something wrong with you, it's because God did not like you and God had cursed you. So they would have been marginalized on another level as well. If you had a disability, something like that, you were marginalized and judged. Whatever their issue, they were struggling. And there was most likely, even though the scriptures don't say, but it was a, Jericho was a large city, there were most likely just scores of people along the pathway, not just those two guys. Probably many, many people, lame people, blind people, sick people, all kinds of people who needed an encounter with somebody who could give them a temporary resource. But these two blind guys saw more than anybody else. 
These two blind guys saw more than anybody else. They didn't just see or hear a man going by. They saw a Savior going by. And sometimes we don't perceive what we have in Jesus. I heard a great preacher once say, you receive what you perceive. Some of us perceive Jesus as a great teacher and we get a lesson. Some of us might perceive Jesus as a carpenter and we can get our house built. But Jesus is not just a carpenter. He's not just a, was not just a great teacher. Jesus is a savior and he can get your life built. That's, so what you receive or perceive is what you will receive. So these guys, when they said Jesus, son of David, they were saying, hey, not just Jesus, but the son of David. He's the savior. He's the one who can actually do something about what's going on in my life. They didn't ask for money. They didn't ask for a temporary resource. They asked for something that only Jesus can do. And sometimes when we come to Jesus. We ask for a temporary fix of our situation. We ask for something to change for a moment when Jesus wants to change the direction and trajectory of our life to get past what seems to be the circumstance, to get beyond that to the, the thing that's going on behind the closed door, to the thing that's going on behind the bright smile, to the thing that's happening when nobody else is looking, to the thing that's crippling your marriage, to the thing that's wrecking your life. Jesus wants to get beyond what the surface is and get to what's really going on. And these blind guys saw what nobody else saw. Saw what nobody else saw. See, sometimes what happens, though, is that other people will tell you, just be quiet. It's not going to change. Like, shut up. Why are you talking about this? Nothing's going to change for you. You have always been this way. You will always be that way. Your dad was like that. Your grandfather was like that. And that's the way you're going to be. That's just the way it is. Why are you trying to see things change? Why are you even asking? Why would you even believe that anything could be different? Have you ever looked at your life? Shut up. They may not say it in those words, but they say it in their action when they turn their back on you when they challenge you for believing for something that's greater than you have. Other people will just ignore you. The disciples didn't say anything in this story. They were right there with Jesus. They said nothing. Even people sometimes that love Jesus just ignore what's going on in lives. But Jesus is different. What's the enemy that might cause you to shut up sometimes? Because the enemy will say, who do you think you are? You're not important. Why would you bother Jesus with this? There are other people more important. Why would you? Why would God? You got yourself in this anyway. Why should God get you out when you got yourself? You blew it. What? And just all the things. And the reason I know that these happen is because I experience them. I walk with them. I have to battle them off at times. Because the enemy would like nothing less or nothing more than to shut my mouth of prayer. What's your, what's your enemy that shuts up your prayer? Is it busyness? Is it discouragement? Because sometimes when you're discouraged, you can't pray for anything. You're just discouraged. Or you're disappointed because something that you thought should happen a certain way didn't happen, and your prayer has gone down. Delays when you're wondering what's happened. A darkness of anxiety and fear. Whatever it might be, the enemy wants to shut up your voice of prayer. And the reason I'm going at this one more time is because this is week five is because I don't want to be a church that just prays from time to time. I don't want to be a church that has prayer times. I want us to be a church of prayer. Because in 2011, our family was in the South Pacific. We had just gone through a 
particularly discouraging season, season of multiple disappointments with the loss of a job, with the loss of house, with the loss of friends, with lost, so many different losses. And, and we had this wonderful opportunity to go to the South Pacific for three months to, to do some missionary work and support churches there for, in Fiji and in Tonga. And uh, we were battling to stay positive in the middle of it all. And we had, anyway, we had a, this day of rest and we were in Tonga and in Tonga and some other places in the South Pacific, they have what they call outdoor pools. The, because the riptide is often very strong or uh, the drop-off is steep, different things like that, they will build out from the shore, they will build out a wall, a rock wall, quite high, to stop the surf from rolling in and washing you away or sucking you out to sea. And they just have a little opening where the water can come in. And anyway, we were going down to one of these, and there were cement steps down to the water. And uh, Shanda loves the water, loves the ocean, loves uh, all that kind of stuff. And so she, we were all getting ready, and Shanda starts walking down these stairs. And suddenly I hear a squeal, and I watch her feet go up in the air, and her head come back and hit on the concrete like that. It was like the sound of a coconut or a watermelon hitting. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what happened? And Shanda says, she's, she's not moving. And she says, I can't feel my legs. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And so then I go to go down there. The the, it's still slippery. So then I do a big slip, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I just dove into the water, and I'm, I'm all right. And then I realized my phone is in my pocket that I'm going to call for help with, so my phone doesn't work anymore. My kids are looking at their mother who's just laying there, blood running down. She's not moving, and she's just saying, I don't know what we're going to do. And in moments like that, you can't begin, you can pray. It's good to pray. But that's where you become not just a person. You learn that it's important to not just be a person who prays from time to time, not just a person who it prays when there's an emergency. You need to do both of those, but to be a person of prayer. Because, you see, when I was a young kid, I learned a verse, Jeremiah 33, 3, that said, Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. We prayed over Shanda right then. I, I in my best uh, uh, voice of faith, said to my kids, Get praying! Freaking out of my mind. God, she did all right. She's here in the front row. We're thankful to God for touching her. Had a concussion, head split open, all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know. I thought, I thought it was just because I, I was asking her to preach, and she's like, I'll take care of that. I'm not going to preach. Try and push me. No, it was not at all. Call unto me, and I will answer you. In other words, when we don't call... When we don't call, there are answers we don't receive. When we don't call, there are great things that don't happen. When we don't call, there are mighty things that we will not see. When we don't call, we won't see new things, things that we don't know today that God wants to reveal and show you for your tomorrow. Because right now, when you're, when, whatever, whatever is shutting our mouth shuts our mouth, great things stop happening. Incredible things start happen, stop happening. But if we would be a people that would say, I'm not just going to be a person who prays from time to time. I'm not going to be a person who pray, has moments of prayer. I'm going to be a person who is a, a man or a woman of prayer. We're going to be a church of prayer. And we're going to be a church that says, we're going to call unto God. And he's going to answer us. He's going to tell us great and mighty things that we're not even aware of right now. How many of you need answers that you don't have right now? How many of you need to see God move in ways that you don't see right now? 
right now. That there is something that moves within us to move from being a person who just sits back and watches like all the other ones that steps up like those two guys and said, I'm calling. I'm calling. Hey, Jesus, I need some help right here. But when you call, Great things can begin to happen. When you call, new doors can begin to open. When you call, the impossible can become possible. When you call, the unknown can become known. When you call, new ideas can come your way. When you call, new perspectives can come to shift you. When you call, Jesus can begin to move in a new way to give you the strength that you need to stand in, to give you the courage that you need to face things that you have never wanted to face. When you call. That's why over the past months we've been trying to show you, to model you, to beg you, to challenge you, to encourage you, to push you, to inspire you, to become a people of prayer. In all kinds of different messages, by providing a prayer booklet that you can pray through, by having prayer during the service right now behind there, there are people praying for you right now. You might not know that. They're praying for you. There are people that come, probably 40, 50 people before church are praying for you. There are people that come on Tuesday night that pray for you, that pray for things to move, that pray for things to advance because there's more power in the people than there is in the pulpit. There's more power in prayer than there is than there is in just in proclamation. There is power in prayer that's released in things and situations that we desperately need God to move in. And we've tried our way. We've tried our best idea. We've tried our, our best effort. But will we be ones that would call? Would we be ones that would say, I'll be a man of prayer. I'll be a woman of prayer. I'll be somebody who shows up, puts up, and won't shut up. Because our goal is not to have a month of prayer and then move on. Our goal is not to have times of prayer and then moves on. Our goal is not even to be just a church that prays. But our goal is that we would become a house of prayer. A house of prayer. And that's different. There are people who watch hockey. And then there are people of hockey. They know every stat. If a person is, hey, I kind of watch hockey once in a while or they, they're of hockey, they'll know the stats, they'll know the top scores, they'll know everything there is to know about it. If I ask somebody who, uh, a Fijian right now, who the top uh, person playing on the Fiji 7, somebody would be able to tell me. Nobody. Okay. <laughs> they're, not, they're not people of Fiji 7. A house of prayer. Because that's all we started, because often we're living in a place, and you can go back and list, listen to this whole series, in places of thievery where we've seen things broken and lost out of our lives, stolen, killed, and destroyed, where God wants to us through becoming a house of prayer to move into a new place. Pastor Daniel talked in the week two of that, where he said, will we be people that ask God to do things? Because there are things that will not happen unless we ask. Pastor Mike talked after that. These are all great messages. You need to listen to them if you haven't. That there are times when things don't move at the speed that we wanted them to move. That in the delay, God's still working. In the time when we're not sure what's going on, God's still moving. In the delay, God is not distracted. He is still working in the delay. Last week, Pastor Doug talked about that the power, when you don't know how to pray, that's why we're part of a family, of a church, because when we don't know what to pray, when we have, have given up praying, when we've lost the effort to pray, but when the church prays, chains fall off, the doors open, the things happen that you could never see happen by yourself. In other words, we do not want to be a pray, pray to be something we do 
but who we are. Where prayer is our first response, not our last resort. We are not a church that has a prayer time, that we, but we are a church of prayer, a culture that moves us, a culture that shifts us, a culture that changes us in all of it. And here's what I believe, and this is the end of it all. Where I'm almost done, actually. What I believe that Jesus is saying in 2019 as we become a house of prayer. This is not, for me, just another passage of Scripture. It's something that I feel like God caused to come alive to me in the last number of weeks as I've been thinking about this. Jesus is moving toward us in a way that maybe we haven't experienced in, a, in some time. As we become a house of prayer, Jesus is moving towards you. As these two guys were sitting there like everybody else, they heard that Jesus was passing by. They call out to him, and he stops, and he turns towards them. What do you want? Some of us, when we hear Jesus is looking our way, we don't want him to look our way. Jesus is turning towards you. He's turning towards your life. He's turning towards your family. As we become a house of prayer, He's turning towards your mess. He's turning towards your pain. He's turning towards your searching. He's turning towards you in your anger. He's turning to you in your frustration. He's turning to you in your, your uh, confusion. He's turning towards you in your discouragement. Because Jesus never loses sight of the person in the crowd. There's a whole crowd pushing against him, and Jesus hears the voice of a blind guy and says, what do you want? And some of us believe that Jesus has turned a deaf ear to us, believes that Jesus is not looking towards us. I am here to tell you today that as we become a house of prayer, that Jesus is turning towards you in a fresh way. He's doing some things that you have been praying for for a long, long time. Someone told me this morning that in this past week, that God gave them an answer for, uh, for something that they've been wondering about for their entire Christian life just in this last week. Someone walked up to me this morning and said, what do you notice? I said, you don't have your cane anymore. He said, I don't have my cane anymore. A year ago or a year and a half ago, started into a program and got a great, got, uh, uh, for training. Lost lots of weight. Saw some health situations turn around. Let go of his cane. Is moving into new situations where God's opening doors for him. That's the God that we serve when we become a people of prayer, not a person who prays from time to time, but a house of prayer. That prayer is our first response, not our last resort. Because Jesus is turning towards you, not in judgment. He's not ignoring you. He's not pushing you away. He's not telling you to be quiet. He's not telling you to get over it. He's not telling you to live with it because he's not the one who came to condemn you. He's the one who came to save and deliver you. That's his name. So if you're struggling with issues with your kids, as you pray, he's moving towards you. In 2019, in a special way, if you're making your way through the loss of a loved one, he's turning towards you. If you're wavering between yes and no with Jesus, as you pray, he's turning towards you. If you're lost in addiction, he's turning towards you. If you're battling with anxiety that's kept you for so, so long, as you become a house of prayer, a person of prayer, he's turning towards you. If you don't know how to move forward out of the situation that you're in, he is turning towards you. If you don't know what your next step is, he is turning towards you. The bottom line is this, he keeps moving as we keep praying. He keeps moving as we keep praying. 
He keeps moving as we keep praying. And it just goes in this amazing circle. The more that you pray, the more that he moves. The more that he moves, the more that you pray. The more that he moves, the more that you pray. And it just begins to move in a way that we never have. But too often, here's the thing. We get satisfied with sitting by the road, getting a little taste, when God wants to set us on a new journey, on a new perspective, on a new place of of perspective, of, of authority, of moving into things that have been held back from you for too, too long. Don't get satisfied with your need getting met for a moment on a Sunday. But over the next number of weeks, we're going to be talking about how God has set you free to change your life, to transform your family, to move you into a place that he has always believed that is possible for you as we become a house of prayer. He keeps moving as we keep praying. Keep me out of the pulpit for a little while, but... Jesus is not just moving towards you. He's moving with compassion. He, moved, he was moved with compassion and touched their eyes. He's willing to get into the stuff of our lives. He's not intimidated by your story. What you're ashamed of, Jesus is not avoiding. What you wished he had never happened, he is not shocked by. The business failure, the marriage infidelities, the betrayal, he's compassionate towards you. The fear that keeps you bound up from moving forward, is being moved by the compassion of Jesus. He can only heal, though, what you will reveal. He can only touch what you invite him to touch. He's not going to force his way into your life. You call out and say, Jesus, I need your help in a way that I never have experienced before. Do you know, in, in my 20s, I was so messed up on the inside. Some would say I was confident on the outside, but all along, I was struggling with anxiety. I was struggling with rejection. I was struggling with deep insecurity. I was dabbling in pornography. I was frozen emotionally. I, people would ask me, what do you feel? Me, nothing. Are you happy? Me, are you sad? Me, my feeling. And I was like, God, this is not how I want to be. And so I began to pray this way regularly. Jesus, I don't know how to fix myself because if I knew, I would do it. I give you permission to move, move towards me in a new and a fresh way. And work on me from the inside out. Because the outside in wasn't working so well. How many of you ever tried that before? From the outside in. But when we invite Jesus, the power of Jesus, he's not just a man in a book. But he's alive and present. He died, buried, and rose again. That literally changed our lives. And as I invited Jesus in and asked him to do more, I, had all, I, was, I was already a follower of Jesus, but there were areas and spaces and places that I had not allowed him to go. And as I prayed, Jesus began to change things from the inside out. He began to move with compassion to pull the painful roots that were driving my insecurity. He began to move with compassion to deal with the unforgiveness that manifested as insecurity. He began to move with compassion to go after the shame of my dalliance with pornography. There were definitely things I had to do in addition to prayer, but it started with prayer. Will you allow Jesus in 2019 to touch your life in a new and a fresh way? To go after things that you've tried to get rid of, you've tried to be free of. We, we have ways that we can help you. We have a set free retreat coming up. We have groups that I'd love you to be a part of. One of the great ways of freedom, walking into freedom, is with people. People who will stand with you. That's one of the biggest reasons we have groups, and there's going to be a bunch of them that you can sign up. You should sign up for one, even if it's doing something you don't like. 
Because it's more important who you do something with than what you're doing. If, you, if all that's left is a knitting group and, and you're like, I've never knitted, that might be your time. If you're, that's better than isolation. That's better than staying alone. That's better than letting the enemy pick you off. The bottom line is he keeps moving as we keep praying. See, Jesus is not just moving towards you. He's not just moving with compassion, but he's moving with power. They received their sight. I believe that 2019 is going to be a year of unusual things happening. That we are going to see God's power move as we become a house of prayer. It's not going to happen because we're the smartest. That was your chance to say amen. It's not going to happen because we've got the best worship or we've got this or we've got that. It's going to, be, it's going to happen in us and through us when we become a house of prayer. I'm not talking about something weird, but I'm saying, family, that we need to be open to Jesus doing the unusual, the significant, the seemingly impossible. Not every prayer will be answered the way I prefer. Things will happen that I still don't understand. But, Craig, you don't know my situation. You're right, I don't. I just know that as we pray, Jesus can do what we cannot. God can begin. I've experienced it to move in ways that you aren't always aware of immediately. Powerful scripture says, I am the Lord. The God of all mankind is anything too hard for me. Is anything too hard for me. And in the last 12 to 18 months, we have seen some incredible things happen as we have grown in prayer. We're becoming a house that prays, but we're going to take another step to become a house of prayer. Whole families in this last 12 to 18 months have come to know Jesus and have their lives changed. Whole families. Multiples. Seen the miracle of a heart that grew pieces that were not there pre- previously and had not been there since birth. That, that appeared on a scan that had not been there for years. That, that's pretty incredible. Seen eyes where the healing was as good as a surgeon and no surgery was required. We have seen Jesus restore marriages. We have seen Jesus lift anxiety. I've seen and been in a room when someone said the shame that I carried for 50 years was broken by the power of Jesus. Set free from debilitating shame. Seen people in this room have seen financial miracles of provision. We've seen people that have stepped into new places and new spaces. We've seen infertility turned around. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? In 2019, Jesus is still moving in power. We're believing and praying that marriage restoration is still possible with God. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That the breaking of sexual bondages is still possible with God. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That the deliverance from addiction is still possible with Jesus. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That salvation and baptism of your plus one that you've been praying for is possible with God. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That physical healing is still possible with God. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That we would be a church that plants churches far beyond us. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That new hope is possible in God. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That in your situation is... That was really weak. In your situation is anything too hard for the Lord? In your family... Come on, stand to your feet. In our city... Is anything too hard for the Lord? In our nation, is anything too hard for the Lord? In your prognosis from the doctor, is anything too hard for the Lord? 
And as we move from being a people who pray from time to time, as we move from people uh, into people that pray uh, at different times, if we will move into being a church of prayer, things will happen that are not currently happening. Things will move that are not currently moving. Doors will open that have been closed to you. As you move, I don't know why it is, but in this great thing of, of God, as we partner with Him in prayer, God begins to move for us, begins to move with us, begins to move on our behalf. That's what Jesus is all about. The bottom line, he keeps moving as we keep praying. It's not over until God says it's over. Don't you move on until God says to move on. Don't you let go until God gives you the word to let go. Is anything too hard for the Lord? He keeps moving as we keep praying. They're just going to close out with this one thought. After Jesus healed them, The last phrase is so important. It says they received their sight and followed him. They didn't just have a moment on a Sunday where their life was touched. They didn't just have a moment where they, I I know Jesus, I I met him once. Says that they, that's why I talked about it at the beginning. They were sitting and then they were following. And in 2019, as you become a house, a person of prayer, in places where you haven't been able to move out of God's, as you follow Jesus, you're going to find your life going into new places because God wants to use your life. God wants to, to use you and the person you are, the gift of God in your life, the call of God on your life, and it's going to look different. It's going to look better. It's, as Jesus begins to move, that's what following Jesus is all about. You need to get into a group so that you can find your people. We really believe that. Life is better together. It's better for you to have people in your life that when you don't want to keep going, they say, come on, get up. We're going to keep going. When all your strength is gone, they grab you by the scruff of the neck and say, we're going to make it. It's together. And then sometimes when they're falling down, you're helping them up. And they're going to believe in you. They're going to challenge you. They're going to encourage you. They're going to breathe hope into you. And if you will find your people, you're going to accelerate forward in your life in a way that will surprise you. If you're a leader that's getting ready, you can go to your your, uh, group right now. That's what following Jesus is all about. He doesn't want to just get you and visit you where you are. He wants to change the direction of your life. Those are small groups leading. It's not a mass exodus. Small group leaders are getting ready out in the lobby. Jesus always intends for a moment in your life to change the momentum of your life, for an encounter to alter the direction of your life. I want you to join a group today, take a next step. And if prayer is something you want to grow in, choose my group. And I mean that because we have a group called Hearing God where we can teach you how to hear God, how to hear God better, how to pray, your prayers to be more effective as you pray what's on God's heart. It's called Hearing God. But at the very least, take a step and join a group, be a part of a group, find your people to do life with. Father, I thank you for each and every person in this room. Father, thank you that as we become a person, a people of prayer, a church of prayer, a house of prayer, God, that you will do things that will surprise us, Lord, that you are moving. When you're moving, we're praying. We keep praying. We keep praying. Father, and I pray that in this room right now, Lord Jesus, people in all kinds of spaces feeling like the blind guy sitting at the at the side of the road saying, will I be overlooked? Does God even notice me? Does God even see me? Father, thank you that you see, you know, 
and as we move forward as individuals in our family, in our lives, to be people of prayer, we just say yes to you, Jesus. Have your way. Have your way in our homes. Have your way in our lives. Have your way in our businesses. Have your way in our workplaces, because is anything too hard for the Lord. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. No person too far gone. And we look to you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.